Hello guys and welcome back to another installment of Galley Stories, Stories of the Bering Sea and Beyond. And today we have uh, Captain Sean Dwyer with us. How are you today, Sean? I'm doing good, Mark. How you doing? Good. I appreciate you taking the time to come out. Oh, it's a lovely day here. It, I mean, it, it really is. Any excuse to sit on the canal here and enjoy the sun, I'm all for it. Absolutely, absolutely. So you're familiar with our format a bit, so why don't we just dive right into it. Uh, where were you born? I'm a Seattle boy, born and raised in uh, Kenmore, just north of Seattle, but grew up here and got hooked on fishing at an early age, coming down to Ballard and checking out this whole environment down here, and it just, it, uh, it got in early, and I'm stuck now, so I'm happy You to say hooked, so what brought you, what brought you down? To well, Ballard? I figured it was a good chance just, one, to drop a fishing pun in, you know, hooked, and yeah. uh, two, uh, so my parents... Uh, they met on a fishing boat, tendering in southeast Alaska. My dad was Pat Dwyer, born and raised in Seattle. He passed away almost five years ago now um, due to ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease. Anyways, my dad was born in Seattle, one of like what, one of six boys, right? They're all really great Ivy League, you know, military follow the beaten path and my dad was number five he didn't want anything to do with it i'm going fishing yeah he wanted to go fishing he 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 really he was a gearhead from when he was born always taking stuff apart putting it back together like most of us you know fishermen Mm -hmm. are you kind of have to be that way right so his older brother was working for a bank doing repossessions and my dad was uh you know just out of i think just out of high school going to uh South Seattle Community College doing some tech stuff down there, learning machining because uh, his mom told him, you know, you got to go get a respectable job. You got to go work for Boeing. And uh, so my uncle Paul needed a little help on a project. And so my dad got in the business of repossessing, repossessing cars, boats. They never did any planes because neither one of them knew how to fly, but they worked on the deals. They were there with the guys who took off. Yeah. So it was they got some really good stories of just going around here in Seattle. And, you know, most people are pretty, pretty respectable when they've got a repossession. You know, they defaulted on their loan. They kind of know it's coming. They ride it to the end. But they had some good stories of people chasing them down with bats and guns. And oh, things. Yeah. And, yeah. And that's what brought him to Alaska, strangely enough. They had a repo. <laughs> yeah. So they went up to... Uh, they went up to Homer, he and his brother, and they were working for the guy, you know, the, the, the big dog there at the bank and doing all that stuff. And, and uh, they were spending some time up there doing repossessions. And they had one story where they walked down the dock and Homer there, and they were not, not looking forward to doing it because it was a whole family that was living on the boat. You know, it was like they bought this, this fishing boat and they, they never really got the ball rolling, making money. They just kind of, that was the cheapest route to get the family. They were just living on it. Yeah, just just off the you know off the beaten path. So they're going down there and they're walking down the dock. The boat's all the way at the end of the dock, and there's this guy that pops out. And you know, they're like, okay, well, maybe he's off the boat. I don't know. You can't quite see what he's doing yet. He reaches down and he picks up a two by four, <laughs> and he starts uh, you know messing around. He puts it back, and you know he's all good there. And uh, so then they're like, oh man right on that was not the guy we don't have to worry there's just some some random dude on the dock and they're walking down and and uh the family's on the boat and they you know it's not working so they're not going to go disrupt the whole family that's just not protocol they come back family's gone 
it's been a while. They hop on, get the boat running. My dad hops down in the engine room, you know, starts the thing up, goes to take off, and uh, they got the tie-up lines all messed up because the boat obviously hasn't left town since it's live aboard. And mm-hmm. So they're trying to peel this thing off the dock, and down that same dock comes running this guy, that same guy they had just seen, and he's got a bat with him. And so my dad turns around, hops off the dock, grabs the same two-by-four, <laughs> and he's all like, you know, like he's going to go up against the... No. His brother yells at him. They jump on the boat, and they steam off, and they had to take that one to Seward, I believe. So they had to go around the corner there at uh, you know, Cook Inlet. And so just kind of a crazy way to get your foot in the door in Alaska, and he started uh, working in that you know, South Central Alaska area out of Seward and Homer and made his way to Kodiak and started doing some tanner crab fishing down there and then made his way down to uh, Southeast Alaska to Ketchikan. And that's where my parents met and was in Ketchikan. They were both working on a tender, the Linda. It's uh, still around today. It, uh, I think it's like a 76 or 78 foot wooden tender with the what, what year would have that, that been that was uh i think that was 84 my dad was born in in uh 61 and what year were you born in i was born in 92 okay yeah, so i'm 26 and uh yeah so that was probably 84 85 i think it was 84 i, I i'm not sure entirely but uh my dad was the engineer my mom was the cook they had a really great summer. That's the way my mom describes it. <laughs> way to go, mom. <laughs> way to go, mom. And uh, my mom moved down to Seattle, and they they actually uh, they bought their first boat, the St. George, before they were even married. They were, they were business partners. And then... Uh, now, what was the St. George? The St. George was like a 90-foot steel boat. It was a crabber. And uh, my dad had, had been up there, he'd been fishing, he made his way out to Bering Sea and back and kind of fished all over Alaska. And, and uh, um, So he had the experience, he's ready to go. He had the experience through his dad, he was able to get a loan from his dad's boss. So my grandpa was working for a, a businessman that had a bunch of money, basically. He had a company that did a lot of the liquor importing stuff when the state was still controlling all that. Hey, they're still making a lot of money at that. Yeah, and so Grandpa was the accountant. And so when my dad came back with all these stories, Grandma still wanted nothing to do with it. Told him, you know, you better go work for Boeing. And my dad said, no, you know, I, there's, I think there's a way to make money at this, not just fishing, but owning boats. And so he, uh, he talked to Grandpa. Grandpa said, well, you know, I'll run it by Mr. Smith, and we'll see what he wants to do. And um, so he gave my dad a loan. He bought the St. George 90-foot steel crabber. And um, they, uh, my parents got married the next year. So he bought that boat in 86. Parents got married in 87. They were fishing the boat in the wintertime, tendering in the summertime. My mom and her sisters, you know, would come up and work on the boat because... My mom, born and raised in Ketchikan, Alaska, she uh, grew up working at E.C. Phillips there in town, canning fish. And, uh, her dad, stepdad, were both fishermen. You know, the next generation above that, fishermen. So long. But your dad's the first fisherman on your side. Of the dad's the first fisherman on, on, on my side. So my mom's got this long history. My dad was, you know, repo man term fisherman. Right. And, uh, seems, like, seems logical. It seems logical, right? Both risky. Uh, so um, 
so my mom, you know, knew the gist. She, you know, they met on a boat, right? So my mom was the cook, and uh, my dad was the engineer, like I said. So mom would come up in the summertime and cook until uh, she started having kids. Mm-hmm. And then... Um, Were you the first? I'm the second. So my sister, Brenna, was born in 89. And... Uh, I thought I thought you were gonna go with uh, eighty-five because it'd be just like nine, yeah, nine just, months after that special summer. Yeah, right. <laughs> That'd be hilarious. <laughs> no, no, no. They waited, and uh, so you know they were doing the whole thing with spill recovery and all that when the Exxon Valdez went through. They were one of the boats that oh. was of many that was chartered to do all yeah. that stuff, and just about every working boat in Alaska. Yeah, man, it was there, good. Yeah. Good way to do it. So they did all that stuff, and then uh, in. 91, uh, the St. George actually sank in January. It uh, iced up and rolled over, and the whole crew was lost at sea, unfortunately. And uh, and your dad owned the boat? My dad owned the boat. He was not on it. So at that point, after my sister was born, he was working his way off the boat. You know, he was going to be more of the business end of it. He wanted to get a job. To supplement the boat ownership and and stay stay short side. You want to be with his family. Raise a family. Yeah. And uh, right after he left the boat, I you know it was tragic, man. I iced up and rolled over, and everybody was lost. My souls were almost six people. And that was January fourth, uh, nineteen ninety one. My mom was pregnant with me at that point in time, and it was pretty pretty tough. Well, he had to be close to all those guys. Pretty so. tough go, yeah. And um, he uh, he had to start over. I mean, it was a big mess, basically. Um, strikingly similar to what we just witnessed a couple of year or last year, and, and uh, it was a real, real nightmare for him. And um, it ended up being a bad stability report and a bad chain of events, and, and it, you know. Things can just things just happen, and so um, with uh, one on the way and one little kid, my dad started over and and uh, did odd jobs all over the place down here on the waterfront, from hydraulics to fiberglassing to machining work to welding, you name it, shipyard maintenance stuff. He worked all over, trying to get his feet back under him. He wanted to get another boat, so I was born '92 and and. Uh, my dad bought the Jennifer A, named after my mom. Yeah, so 93 bought the Jennifer A. And, um, but, so, you, I mean, I, I'm born 92, right? And I was just born into this, 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 like, hellfire, crazy, perfect storm of fishing. And, you know, it's, it just kind of go went from all, there. All brand new debt. <laughs> yeah, right? I know you asked me, uh, yeah, you asked me when I where I was born, and that's how I explained it. So <laughs> that just it's, I was born great. into a you know into a tangled web of, of the fishing industry, and and uh, so the, my parents, both my parents, were my role models, and that's kind of where I, I you know clearly there was a lot of respect uh, there, and a lot and a lot of uh, of who you become comes yeah. from there because. Again, yep, I did ask you where you were born, and you went <laughs> right just, into the... This big old... Well, you know, Seattle, that reminds me of my dad telling me stories of uh, jumping Fiat's in downtown Seattle where he grew up, yeah. you know, and, and no, it, it just, it's all good. I, I think it's just paying respect and homage to your dad, Pat. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, he um, he bought that Jennifer A in 93, and uh, I say he, my now, parents... I, I know that name. 
Is, yeah. this, is this boat still around or? Yeah, still around, still around. Sitting over here, just right across the way at Fisherman's Terminal. Ian Pittsman, Jake Jacobson were both running that boat. Jake ran it, I think, right off the bat when my dad bought it. And, and just having lost a boat due to stability, he was very conservative. It, it's 98 foot bender, you know, nicknamed the rollover special. They're, they were 26 feet wide and 98 feet long. And I can't remember how many were built, but I think of the eight or seven of them that were built, like four of them rolled over. They were just unstable boats. So when he bought that thing, he knew that. So it was deck loads only. And then maybe a couple pots up on top. But it was no big no. crab pot stacks, no nothing, and very conservative. And, and uh, as soon as my parents got their feet back under him, my dad's mission was, we're going to sponsor that thing. And we're going to turn the boat into a crabbing machine. And in 98, uh, he started that project, sponsoring the Jennifer A, 36 feet wide now. Well, you, you were probably running around the shipyard at that point. I was running around the shipyard, man. Yep, picking up welding rods for spare change. Right. <laughs> you know? It was uh, it was a whole family ordeal. The, built, the boat was sponsored in Everett, and we're living in Kenmore. And, and so my dad was running around going to the shipyard. I'm just a little kid, you know. And, and uh, I remember watching that thing once it was sponsored. It was on a railway up there. And so not your typical dry dock, right? Right. And as they went... A lot like pack fish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And as they went to lower the railway back into the water, the cable broke. And the whole boat, after being sponsored and painted, my dad got the neighborhood, you know, football players that grew... You know, Rob Rogers, I don't know if you know, he is high school seafood. His son uh, and the whole front line of the football team painted the boat in this beautiful big fresh steel boat just wildly sailing down the runway I'll, I'll never forget that sound of the cable just ping and then just this like roar started and we watched the whole brand new sponsor jennifer a just sail off into everett there and i think i can't remember who was on the boat or or, or how they stopped it i think they had a tug that was back there that was close to it and they they grabbed onto it but uh yeah Imagine, wow. imagine your dad's face. Oh my god. I, I, I think he was on the boat actually. I don't I don't remember. I know we've got that thing on on camcorder footage somewhere. But uh so I was a little kid running around on that and you know, that boat went out and got situated and Ian Pittsman, uh, who now owns Cape Caution, Summer Bay, Kona Kai, three or four other boats. He's a Homer guy that uh, uh my dad had met. He was running the boat and and uh, did so for 14 years, I believe, and uh, tendered for Trident, Norquest, Icicle, I mean, and fished crab every season, fished cod, did all that stuff, and uh, so the boat was off and doing its thing, and my dad was uh, continuing to manage more boats, and... How uh, was he getting these more boats? He was he was working for Norquest, gotcha. yeah, Seafoods, managing the crab boats there, and... Uh, and and some of the processors that were there and doing shipyard work. And I, that's me as a little kid running around the shipyard, learning to drive forklifts at like, you know, 10 years old and going back to school and telling all my friends how cool it was that right? I drove this forklift, you what know. What you do for the summer? Yeah. <laughs> I, I neglected to tell them about the time where, you know, I watched, uh, I think it was the Aleutian Falcon plug in the shore power down there with a plug that was full of water and hit the breaker and blow the whole panel to pieces. And I swear to God, I almost, like, crapped my pants. Was I was just deathly afraid 
and I, I you know. Are you still afraid of electricity? <laughs> it's still something I think about every time I hit that short power switch, plugging in a boat, you know. And yeah. I, you know, I, I didn't tell my friends about that part, you know, because it wasn't wasn't nearly as cool as, as the uh, <laughs> driving a forklift. Forklifts, but yeah. you know, I grew up around it all, and as soon as I could, I was working on boats in the shipyard, needle gunning and painting, and and so come what I'm I'm 13, 14. My dad's diagnosed with Lou Gehrig's disease, ALS. I had no idea. I mean, it kind of came out of nowhere. And so, you know, we're just, you know, happy family. We got this crazy weird job that my dad does. And, you know, he's home a lot, but then he's gone for long periods of time. And it doesn't, you know, I'm just a kid. It doesn't make any sense to me. And, and uh, but it's cool because I get to go down and work on the weekends and make money, right? Mm-hmm. And So uh, you were getting paid. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, not much. <laughs> it's like dollars. But, Yeah. Um, and then he's diagnosed with ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease, which I don't know if you're familiar with, but it's just, just the worst disease in the planet, man. I, I, I wish it upon no one. It's neurodegenerative. So basically the nerves can't talk to the muscles. That communication breaks down and the muscles just fade away to nothing. And it just takes your whole body. I mean, your whole body is muscle, right? But your mind's all there. But the mind is still there. And so... Here's my dad with all these crazy, wild stories and, and this big, you know, pathway of how he got into the industry. And at this point, it's uh, 2005. He's fairly well established. You know, he's got 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 his boat, his own boat, and he's managing four others and takes on a big project. And Norquest at that point is bought by Trident Seafoods, and he's working for Trident now, kind of as just like a. Um, you know, port engineer, port engineer, kind of liaison to the Norquest fleet, just helping everything go together. You know, he knew those boats. He's a super mechanical guy, and uh, so, and then ALS just pulls the rug out from underneath him. And how, how old you were? Thirteen, you said. I was or? thirteen. Yeah. yeah, and so for me, I don't think my parents told me until I was fourteen. They knew, but for me, I was, you know, I remember watching my dad. Um, Watch my dad try to put some like zip ties on my mountain bike. He was helping me because I rode mountain bikes, you know, and I broke it and needed to zip tie some shit and he was helping me and he couldn't pull them tight. And I was like, well, this is not right. You know, this guy's tough. Starting to click. There. Yeah. And as soon as I was told that he had ALS, like, oh, okay. Yeah. You know, and once I learned what it was really. So, um, that, well, that was in the internet age. Did you start Googling the hell out of it or? No, I mean a little bit here and there. And, and the, the crazy thing is when I was in like second or third grade, I did a project on Lou Gehrig. And so I knew what it was. Like I'd already learned. And, uh, you know, then I, I kind of dove a little deeper into it, but that's where for me, I, I decided that, you know, I kind of made a decision at, at that young age that I wanted to do what my dad was doing. I thought it was cool. I thought the fishing industry was awesome. I loved coming down to Ballard, going to Alaska every summer. You know, I was tendering that time too. And, um, you know, it's just like this family business that all of a sudden the, the main guy in the business, my mom also right next, you know, right by his side, but my dad was leading the pack, you know. All of a sudden our, our, our guy is, is, he's got ALS, you know, and there's, there's no cure terminal illness and this was still the jennifer a yep okay diagnosed you know here's here's your lifespan two to five years what do you you know it could go fast it could go slow we don't know you know but basically we've ruled out every other option we think it's als 
So what's my dad do? He goes out and buys another boat. <laughs> he buys the Brenna A, which is the old Shishaldin. And uh, it's a house aft boat. Jennifer A, house forward bender. Brenna A, house aft bender. He goes out and buys a boat. <laughs> and my mom was like, well, I don't know. Sounds like he was trying to. <laughs> he said, you know, I always wanted two boats. Man, I'm not going to get it if I don't buy it. You know, and, and you know, I can I can make it happen. There's a good deal. You know, I've got the support with the industry, and I'm, I'm doing it. And so he did. And that, for me, was like, what the hell, you know? But that's cool. we got another boat to go play on. So I started working on that boat every summer, every uh, fall and shipyard from that point till now. I've been on the Brenna A. What year was that? And that was, it was uh, January of 06, I think, was when the deal closed. But he started in 05 when he was diagnosed. I mean, it was like, you know, August or September here, you're, you're being told that you've got two to five years to live. And it was literally simultaneous, like knee-jerk reaction, I'm going to buy a boat. <laughs> well, maybe a little careless, but uh, I think it was pretty cool. I mean, I think it was just a bold move. And uh, that boat was set up to longline brown crab when we bought it, when he bought it. And uh, so it was major conversions. There's no RSW, no, no chillers for tendering. No tender crane. It was all these projects, and he bought it, and it was kind of a short window to get it up to go tendering. And so, you know, okay, we'll put it together this way, and then when it comes back in, you know, September, we'll, we'll change it all around. And so it's just this continual um, retrofit of that boat for the first couple of years, trying to get it dialed in the way he wanted it to. And this is all while I'm getting older, and his disease is progressing more. And he's losing his ability to walk. He's losing his, his, his arms were actually the first things that went. So he's, uh, you know, he's no longer able to climb ladders. So he can't get onto the boats. And uh, so, you know, I'm, I'm doing more and more. And I'm learning the other side of the business while this is happening too. The business end, which is what he was really proud of what he did. was that he, he wasn't your average fisherman that, you know, went to the bar and blew all his money on, you know, day one of being home. He was an adamant businessman and very particular about his boats and so yeah you know, I'd after school go home and he would teach me things and it was definitely not pretty at times were you, were you climbing in the engine room at this point oh yeah did you go to the mechanical side more than mechanical side business side painting uh learning about fishing learning about driving the boat you know it was like well hey go do it you know his thing was like oh you want to you want to you know you want to park the boat? What? When, when did that happen? <laughs> oh man, uh, I think I was, I think I was, uh, I was sixteen or seventeen. He was still able to get on the boat, and we were just maneuvering in town. And it was like, seriously, like, just move the stick this way and the rudder this way, a little more throttle here, and it was just like, like nothing. But that was that was the first time. And the last time I moved a boat until I became a captain. Really? Yeah. Well, well, you you became a captain kind of sudden though, right? I mean, didn't this just? Yeah. So, and I actually started. I, I I take that back. I think I docked each boat of ours once before I started running the Brenna A in 2014. I started running the Brenna A in the summertime for tendering. Right. I think she was still being fished by someone else for you guys. 
so we we didn't have enough uh, crab quota to, uh, to to fish both boats in the winter time. So we the Jennifer A, my dad, initial recipient of quota, and um, um, the, all the crab was being fished on Jennifer A, mm-hmm. and uh, which had its crew, had its crew, had everything. It was just doing its doing its doing its thing. Ian Pittsman was managing the boat. And Can you explain the quotas among boats? Yeah, so in the past, crab fishing was derby style, right? Mm-hmm. Go out, bell rings at noon, go catch as much as you can for X amount of days, three to seven days, and what you get is what you get. Well, it wasn't the most efficient nor the safest way to catch crab, so State of Alaska and National Marine Fisheries decided to go to a rationalized program, a quota program. So they took seven random years of those crazy derby days, averaged out what you caught, and issued you a percentage based on those amounts. And uh, my dad, since he was there with his boats, uh, he he got quota. And now could he? Could he use that quota on the Brenna A or the Jennifer A? He could, could use he... that boat on either, or use the quota on either boat. He could lease it to someone else. He could sell it. He could buy more. Um, he could park the boats entirely and let someone else deal with it. But um, he felt that since the Jennifer A caught the boat or caught the quota originally, the Jennifer A and Ian were the boat, you know, and the she, guy. She was also sponsored and ready to go. She was the crab killing machine, man. It was, and he he said, "Oh no, that's all staying with that. We're not gonna, you know, we go buy this other boat. It's gonna be just a tender. We're not gonna mess up the program. It's not fair to the crew. It's not fair to the captain. And that's just the way it, it works. And so he kept it all like that. And so we have one boat fishing crab, both boats tendering. Okay, should be specific on that, but." Uh, well, yeah, um, any crab boat's going to be tender. I mean, they yeah, yeah, you got to make money, man. Boats. I mean, he he. A boat know. on the dock doesn't make money. Look at the one you're sitting on. And we're not <laughs> making any money right now. No, no, we're not. We're making some good bullshit stories. <laughs> she's, she's paid off, but we're not making any money on her. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, you kind of had that that thing all figured out with the boats and and the Brenna A just tendering and and um, uh, I graduated high school in 2010. My dad passed away in 2013, and my mom, very similar to kind of my dad's story, wanted me to go do more, to not be a fisherman. That was like her worst fear. Go work for Boeing. Go, yeah, be a, be something else, you know. Didn't you say you wanted to be an architect when you were like four? You should go do that. <laughs> go do that. Yeah. <laughs> like, Remember when you put on this fireman's hat? Yeah, I still have like it. Yeah, didn't you like that? Check out this picture. Yeah. I, I was hooked, man. I mean, I was born into fishing. I was. You are your father's son. I, I, I was his shadow. I mean, he always joked if he turned around too fast, he'd step on me, you know. And I'm sure he did a few times. But I, I had no. I mean, I, I grew up in this industry. I, I, I met all these great fishermen, these great people at a young age, and they, they watched me grow up. And I, I had, I had no choice. I wanted to do it. I mean, it, it was set in stone. So graduated two thousand ten. I went to South Seattle Community College for tech school. My mom and I compromised. It was one hell of an arm wrestling match. <laughs> she won, and I went to college. I went to a technical college, which uh, coincidentally is the same place my dad went. I didn't know that until I started going, but uh, he took some tech courses there too. And uh, so I have an associate's degree in diesel engines and heavy equipment technology. I got my ASE certifications to work on big semi trucks. So I, I spent two years going to school, 
every morning from 7 a.m. till noon working on semi-trucks and going to the shipyard from noon until 5 p.m. and working on boats. So I started crabbing uh, all the while through high school, junior high, in, in tech school, all the while I'm, I'm tendering. And I've worked every my summer. way every summer, worked my way from deck room to engineer, you know, and when I was 18 and in high school, I was already engineering. You know the boat, but you weren't driving boats. I wasn't driving boats. I got to park one. You, you might have done wheel watches, but you <laughs> was, weren't driving them. I wasn't driving boats. I was an engineer, and uh, I worked for some 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 great skippers, uh, Lou LeFerrier being one of them. He uh, used to own part of and run the Pro Surveyor. You may remember that big boat that sat right over here, big cat, crab catcher processor, mm-hmm. and he honestly, I never I never got the chance to work on a boat with my dad. I, I did the very first year the boat went to Southeast. I worked with my dad on board for maybe 24 hours. He came on, but at that point, you know, he was, yeah, he was he had his he yeah. has ALS. It so already had him. Yeah, he had, you know, everything was already in motion, and and he had other things he was doing. He said, yeah, my time is not. You, there's people that can do that job better than I can, and I'm not gonna do it. You know, and, and right, yeah. they respected him for that. And he respected those guys and made everything work for him, and. Uh, Lou LaFerrier being one of the, the guys I learned a lot from, um, he kind of taught me all about running boats, and he was a very well-respected skipper, and I, I tried to pick his brain at every corner, and uh, so my dad passed away in 2013, and it was, uh, uh, I had just turned 21, and gone out on my first OP season, and uh, my very first OP season was like 875,000 pounds or 850. On which boat did you go? On the Jennifer Ray, yeah. Okay. Went out. So as soon as I graduated college, um, I was like... Yeah, Mom. Going back to the... <laughs> yeah, yeah. What's <laughs> <It's> up? <laughs> I said that. I graduated college. I graduated college. I, mean, I went fishing. <laughs> I went tendering that summer. Uh, and then that fall, I went fishing. I went crabbing. And I fished OPs for my first time. It was a uh, it was a four man deck, and we had a guy get arrested, and so it ended up being a three man deck. And I saw ice, I saw big waves, I saw long days. Are you bays. skipping over the story? What did they get arrested for? <laughs> uh, we don't really know. Okay, great big waves. And... <laughs> we don't really know what he got arrested for, honestly. Uh, it was in St. Paul. Of all places. How do you get arrested in St. Paul? He had some prior things. They, you know, <laughs> if they're going to get you in St. Paul, you're in real trouble. Part of the deal with rationalization is 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 the consolidation of the fleet, right? So now you've got all these boats that were off the water. There's less people out there. Troopers know who's on each boat. Oh, yeah. They knew that we had this guy. There was 260. Now there's 75. I mean. <laughs> right. They, they're like, hmm, well, this guy might not be paying his taxes and has some other stuff we think is going on. So we're going to go and give him a visit in St. Paul. That yeah. was my introduction to the crab. Well, that's where you get the crabbers. They're either going to be they're either totally, be Dutch, uh, Akutan, or St. Paul. Totally. Right. It was a trip. I went and <laughs> saw that. And, and yeah, man. I mean, it was... Uh, it was a good introduction to fishing, but that was that was my very first year fishing. My dad was still alive, and then that June in 2013, he passed away. So he got to see it come full circle. During that time, though, were you feeling the pressure build on your shoulders? Totally. I mean, I, I, I actually, so that year, I flew home. I, I didn't take the boat across the Gulf, and uh, which... 
it's something I had never done. I'd you know I'd always kind of stayed there. When I was in high school, I'd fly out because I'd have to go take tests and shit. But you know, uh, uh, I I flew home because my mom was concerned that my dad wasn't gonna make it through March. And I got home, and, and he was having some complications with, with stuff as, you know, the disease progresses. Things like breathing and swallowing, they get harder. And and um, so I, I flew home, and, and you know, my dad was okay. And I think, honestly, I I don't want to sound, like, selfish or... He was waiting for you? Yep. I think he was waiting for me to get home. Yep. And then uh, once I was home and the boat was home... It was like, sweet, we got another project. My dad lived with ALS for eight years. With a two to three year diagnosis. Two to five. Two to five. So that's pretty random in itself. Like, right. who says two to five years? Like, that's pretty... Yeah, is it two <laughs> or is it five? Because I it, got shit to do. Is it two or twice as much as two? <laughs> you know? Like, right. like that's a... That's, that's and, a big but, window. But that's how that disease is, man. And it's terrible because you just don't know. And so... We got home, we had all these things that we broke up there crabbing, and my dad was like, I can't believe you guys broke a winch, you know? And it's like, well, you know, I haul a lot of crap pots over the side of the boat. Things break, Dad, yeah. you know? And he knew that, but honestly, his mind was what kept him going. I think, I think his drive, his determination, his ability to look forward to the future kept him going f- for, for years. For, I mean, longer than people thought. And so he got home. Or I got home, excuse me. I got home in March. Um, went out and did it big crabber style for my 21st birthday. We got a limo, a Hummer stretch limo, a white one. So we have to talk about this a lot in the Big podcast. crabber style, man. We, we talk about this a lot, the first big paycheck, right? Oh, yeah. So it was a limo. It and- was my 21st birthday, uh, you oh, know, man. and, and uh, one of the guys I was working with, Dylan, he paid for it, but he he lost his debit card that night. Oh, so who paid for it then? <laughs> I don't think we paid for it at all. Well, I think I, I think I might have. I don't know. Honestly, I was hammered. But my twenty first birthday, we got the boat got home on my twenty first birthday. I, I flew home, like I said, because my mom was concerned that my dad was not going to make it, right. and uh, so I flew home. And then it was just this spark in his eye, and it was, you know, we got a project, and we're going to the shipyard, and we're going to replace tail shaft, we're going to tune the wheels, we're going to sandblast the boat, and, you know, my dad taught me how to fix a boat properly, like, how to do it right, you know, where to spend your money, where not to spend your money, and uh, what's really important for the boat, and what's what it's, what it's going to take, and, but, God, did he argue with me, and I argued with him, man, we were at each other's throats, and here he is, and I regret it now, of course, like everybody does, but we were arguing about the stupidest shit up until he couldn't even argue anymore. Right. But I, I you know, I think that's what really kept him going, you know, and, and if he were here today, that would be what he would say too, I'm sure, because we did all kinds of things. We always had projects going, whether it was the house or, oh, my dad wants a you know, a side-by-side, a Polaris Razor, a Ranger that he can put his wheelchair on. Why don't you go buy one and build one? We did that. There we go. <laughs> That's a project, man. Now he's got something to research. We did crazy things like that. And, uh, and, and I think that our, both of us with our determination to be, you know, successful at what we do and be, be 
be you know satisfied with our end project was what kept both of us you know going and at each other's throats and so <laughs> so that was 2013 my dad died and um, that was june 4th and then i left to go tendering on june 10th and i was uh, i was engineering still 2013 which boat uh that was my I, I went to the Jennifer A actually I was on the Brenna A all the way up until that point and at that point I figured well you know no better time than the present better swap over and learn the other boat I'm not going to be much of a uh, engineer or captain if I've only been on one boat all my life and I've you know we own the other boat so I might as well jump over there and, and uh, so I worked with Chell Stewart and he ran the Puller Lady for years before that. He came over, was running the Jennifer A. Um, and that was the first crab captain that I worked for was Chill. And then I tendered for him that summer and was his, his engineer. And then uh, summer after that, you know, went through another winter and we did big projects on the boat. And now it's me and my mom trying to figure out how this is all going to work with, you know, both of us myself being more involved in the business and her continuing to be involved she was always there i mean she you know but behind every successful fisherman there's an even more stronger and successful woman i mean oh my god man we have such destructive lives you know fishing attitudes and oh god (laughs) you name it you know fishing is hard on everything i remember ian telling me this fishing is hard on everything your hands your life, your body, but most importantly, your relationships. And uh, my dad got lucky. I mean, he got my mom, you know, and she was tough. And so her and I are trying to navigate through it's this. It's a lot like a military wife, too, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's brutal. It takes, you have to understand the fishing industry. And um, my mom did, born and raised. I mean, she grew up processing catch fish. Yep. Catch a can. <laughs> She's Alaskan, through and through. And... Um, so, yeah, man, I mean, it was my mom and I trying to figure it out, and there were a lot of ups and downs, and, and we, we, we navigated through this new world that was fishing without my dad, which was what we knew from day one, mm-hmm. right, both of us. And uh, so it was tough, but uh, eventually we fully succeeded in my dad's, uh, his original plan when he bought that that second boat when he was diagnosed he always wanted two boats fishing crab and tendering and we were only able to tender both boats we couldn't get enough quota together to fish mm-hmm. the second boat and the brenna the brenna yep which is named after my sister by the way mm-hmm. i mean i haven't talked about her but my sister has been up tendering and uh, she knows just as well as i do you know, exactly what this whole fishing thing is all about mm-hmm. you know cool thing about your siblings is that uh it's the only other person in the world that's seen the world through the same perspective as you, right? We were both raised by the same people. No one else knows just how wild our lives have been. And uh, I forgot to mention that, my, you know, before my dad's ALS, my mom had cancer for four years, too, of the appendix, which is not a good one, you know? No. And I was I was a little, little kid, you know, and that one kind of flew by and... and, uh, and 
can't believe I missed that. But uh, <laughs> I feel bad now. Sorry, mom. But uh, mom, mom, we're just trying to fit it all into like an hour. It's conversation just like here, super so. hard to fit the whole story in there. Yeah. And uh, she'll be the first one to tell you that uh, our our passion is is raising funds and awareness for ALS. Because it, it, you know, my mom survived cancer. There's no survivorship from ALS. Yeah, you know. And just last week, what Stephen Hawking died. And the the thing that drives me a little bit insane is that uh, people forget that Stephen Hawking had ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease. He lived right. with it for like 50 years. Yeah, just so some crazy amount like that. Yeah. But uh, well, I can I can clearly tell your your. It's just about it. you know, it's people ask me about my story, and and that's what it is. You know, my dad was incredible and my mom was incredible my sister and i have lived this crazy life that uh people don't always uh get the whole story of and and you know myself i you know for me uh i've made it into the wheelhouse i'm now running the boat year round the brenna a i uh i i fish crab and and i run the boat in the summertime tendering and i'm also on the deadliest catch there was a producer that found out my mom's blog basically she had this blog called crabby mama where in all these years you know she she's dealing with these crazy scenarios and my dad's his disease is progressing more and more and and in, in that very first year i went fishing she made this blog called crabby mama still out there you can find it's, it yeah i was gonna yeah. say can they find it yeah. you can google it yep and uh she was just like venting her frustrations you know she didn't want a fisherman's son is a risky business and that's all i ever wanted <laughs> and we compromised and uh i wanted to move forward you know i wanted to be running the boat and i was able to scrounge up some quota some barrett eye quota and go out and uh get everything together and all the cards kind of fell into the right spot right at the same time where deadliest catch wanted to feature me fishing and we found quota to go fish and now we're going to go fish the brenna a we're going to have the jennifer a fishing and um, it was just this crazy turn of events man it was just a, like a whirlwind and um, you know we were able to get both boats fishing fulfill kind of my dad's wish you know his his legacy he wanted Close both boats fishing he wants two boats the brenna a the jennifer a named after my mom named after my sister and who better to run one of the boats than his son and so when's the sean d coming along <laughs> the sean d sean d got a lifetime of work man <laughs> brenna a and the jennifer a got some those off. cool boats to look at and sean d's got a career like whether he likes it or not <laughs> do you remember the first time you were scared up there oh man yeah day one i was scared I told you, like, you know, here I am as a kid learning the engine room, the deck. I never really got a chance to run boats, you know. So day one, we're going to take the Brenna A up to go crab fishing, and uh, we need to go get some fuel. You know, we got to have fuel to get to Alaska. And, uh, God, I pulled into Kovic Fuel Dock over here, and there was a gravel barge, and there was the dock, and I had, like, two feet on each side, and... Now I wouldn't even bat an eye, but then I was just scared shitless that I was going to take this boat off of the dock day one, going to get fuel. Can't even, it was like day zero, really. And uh, I was just so concerned that I was going to smash into that gravel barge. And I almost did. But, you know, the one thing I learned was just go slow, slow. crash slow. No. Go slow, crash slow. No, not quite like the uh, Jennifer A breaking that cable and... Yeah, flying down. into the water. Yeah. But I've pretty much been scared since 
since then. There's never a moment up there. I mean, guys will tell you, oh, I'm not scared. No, 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 you're scared. No, we're, we're scared. We're just good at hiding it as captains. And Like uh, a duck on water? Your feet are going like really a, duck a on thousand water, miles man. an hour, but your body looks great on the surface. Under the water, dude, you're just a million miles an hour. And that's crab fishing in a nutshell, especially in the wheelhouse. And uh, it was all I ever wanted as a kid. I mean, it was that was what I wanted to do. And uh, and that further motivates me to, to, to put up with the craziness that ensues. But, uh, God, just this year, we, we got home February 20th. We fished Opie's in some of the biggest waves that I've seen up there. I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to tell a fish, fish tale, you know, like a fish story like all the other fishermen, but it's just crappy weather up there, really bad. And we stacked out in some of the biggest waves that I've had to put stacks on in as a deckhand or captain, and that was scary. I mean, it, you know, it's like a whole process, a whole day-long event of sitting on pins and needles. Pucker factor. <laughs> Intense. Intense. <laughs> to a hundred percent. Right. Yeah, it's uh, it's a scary job. You got any advice for guys wanting to go up? I mean, you're still 26. I'm I mean, I'm young. I don't know what advice I can give the guys, but um, what do you look for in your crew? I look for mind over matter. You know, I look for the mental toughness. I look for guys that want to be there more than anything else in the world, and nothing is going to get in their way. Not a, you know. Not a sore muscle, not an inability to learn on the first try. You know, you can have a deckhand that's that 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 maybe takes two days to learn how to do the job, or you can have a deckhand that takes two weeks. But the end could still be one could be better than another. You know, so what I look for is guys that just want it. It's the drive. It's not the bodybuilders. It's not the marathon runners. It's the guys that are strong mentally instead of physically and, that, and that's what i look for where do you see yourself in five years five years from now i have no idea man <laughs> i hope i'm still fishing crab in the wheelhouse and uh and running the boat and uh i'm engaged to be married this fall which i'm pretty excited about so i'm yeah, I'm, I'm sorry about that yeah <laughs> no. thanks bud no, no, uh, really. i uh i uh i've been engaged for seven years so yeah i i plan on being married in five years yeah. and uh who knows maybe i'll be looking for a way off the water but i i'm, I'm not there yet i want more i want to fish more and um so i just you know to hope for good seasons until that point. I want to just go back and pay props real quick to where you got that quota for, for the Brenna A. You got that from Sig and, and from Keith. Yep, yep. So that quota, we were able to scrounge up through some very good friends of ours, uh, Sig Hansen and Keith Colburn. And uh, both of them knew my dad. Both of them respected what we were trying to do. They were uh, involved in the TV show, and so that was good because it would be there, but that wasn't the reason why. Either one of those guys was willing to help out. They said, "You know, this is awesome. You know, you've worked for it. That we should, we should help." And it just so happened that that year that Baradai was big, and you know, it's not always the easiest to catch. So sometimes there's crab around, and uh, it was that. You know, that was the case. That was the case. So well, that worked out great for everybody. Man, it was just a whirlwind. It I, was, I just uh, wanted to make sure we paid a little bit of respect to him. Totally. That was the first time that you're. Fulfilling your dad's dreams of having quota for both boats. Totally. Right? I, I mean, mean the, you know, those guys are instrumental in helping me, uh, um, um, you know, fulfill my dad's dream. And that's so cool because 
I rambled on big time about my dad and my mom and I think it, that's just love, man. Dude, it's 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 my story. It's who I am. And uh, the joke was, you know, that I'd <laughs> I was my dad's shadow, and I I think I still am to a lot of the people in the industry. Is that I'm you know I'm a little pat, right? And uh, it was just. It was just great that that's the way that it worked out. We were able to to make it happen with some quota from some people that respected the, the progression. Did uh, did he have a nickname for you when you were growing up? You always called me Bud. 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 Yeah, and I grew up around a bunch of you know fishermen, and they had all kinds of uh, other nicknames for me. But <laughs> Bud was always what seemed to stick. And uh, I can tell you for sure that I learned all of my bad language i learned all of my bad habits and i learned every single disgusting thing from fishing <laughs> and uh i thought you're gonna say your dad and mom <laughs> no dude <laughs> from, from the people that my dad and mom brought me around <laughs> they always had a good a good uh uh you know answer to all the disgusting things that was going on but i wouldn't change it for a minute man i love it i love it all and uh seriously it's 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 been a ride and I'm just hoping that moving forward, I can pay as much respect to my dad and his story and raise as much money for ALS as possible. And that's what it's all about for me. I can definitely see that's where your, your goals are at because I mean, we started with where were you born? We went into the entire the battle. It was a battle that yeah. your dad faced. Yeah. And not only that your dad faced, but your family faced. Yep. Um, and anybody facing that or even, a, a terminal cancer diagnosis. I mean, Anything. it's all it's all just a, a battle, a battle. It's all a battle, man. And for me, it's um, you know that's what drives me. People ask you, what? How the hell do you do that job? You know, you know, and that's that's what it is for me. It's uh, that's my motivation. So. so, are you always thinking about fitting my, in that seat? Sitting in the seat, yeah. fitting in it, fitting know? in it. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah, there's a lot of. Uh, when you're driving the boat, man, there's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of guys looking at you, looking for paychecks. I get that way on this, and all I got is like 15 or 20 people drinking beer, <laughs> you know, and I get stressed yeah, out. It's stressful, and uh, it's scary, but I love every minute of it. We're, we're like, way out of time, which is fine because we won't fit a commercial in on this one. <laughs> <laughs> but is there anything you want to you make sure people know about before we, well, besides ALS? Because we're going to link that. We're going to link the... the yeah, know, we'll link to the ALS uh, uh, fundraising. We're all about that. But um, is there anything else you'd, you'd want someone to know? I think uh, for me, what was really important when I was growing up was just just uh, kind of following my passion. You know, it, it, it was something that called to me at an early age. And, and, you know, I think on a broad scope, fishing for all of us guys that have been on this, this podcast is a passion. Yeah, that's what gets us out there on those days where the waves are big and the weather is cold and that wind is blowing. It's it's our passion and and if nothing else, I hope that people can follow. You know, somebody can get that same satisfaction. Go out there and do what you want to do and make the best of it. Whether it's fishing or you name it, man, whatever, anything. whatever it is that gets you going. If your passion that's... is crunching taxes, boy, are you my guy this time of year? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, well put. Normally at this point we'd read a letter or an email that was sent in, but we don't have any right now. Oh, well, there we go. So uh, you guys and I've got, rambled big time. No, I'm it's so been sorry. it's been epic. <laughs> it's been epic. Uh, you guys got to send in those questions, comments uh, to mark at galleystories.net. So instead of reading a letter, which I don't have today, 
I'm going to read a, I guess it'd be a share on our Facebook page because, you know, we were allowing you guys following us on Facebook and Twitter, which I have, I'm up to six now, by the way, which is incredible. Um, Twitter followers? Yeah, Twitter. I got six oh, of dude. them, man. Six Hold of on. them. Let me well, I got to tell you, two of them, two of them are really, two of them are one really good friend of mine. Yeah. So <laughs> I just don't know how all that works, but um, I want to, I want to quote this, this, the Salmon Sisters. Yeah. Which, which you, I'm gonna let I'm you talk after I, yeah. after I read yeah. what they say. Great people. But uh, they, they actually tweeted, and I don't know anything about, I did not know anything about them before they shared it, and then I, then I, of course, I googled the hell out of them because that's what we do. Uh, fill your headphones with stories from the sea. The Galley Stories podcast has become our favorite to tune into while cooking and while we're on the road. Enjoy these tales from the Bering Sea and beyond. Uh, thanks, girls, for your shout-out. And I know that you know them. I do, so, yeah. I know I know. Can you the give them a shout-out as well? I just think it's awesome, man, what they're doing. They're uh, two girls from Alaska, born and raised in the fishing industry just like me and just like a bunch of kids our age. And making the best of it man sustainable seafood sustainable clothing they're taking this whole brand of salmon sisters and blowing it up and it's going mainstream and we're not trying to go commercial here <laughs> we're not trying to go commercial but but they're still fishing they're still they're still they fishing. fish every year and the things that they're doing people respect alaska seafood more because of those two girls and their clothing line that has shown shown the rest of the world how just how special alaskan seafood is and that's what I mean of, of them just blowing it up is like, dude, they're showing how real this is. The families, the people involved, and you just can't get any better than that, man. Yeah. That's the same thing we're doing here is just showing the real deal. And that's what we're, yeah, definitely, definitely. So I'll, we'll end with buy wild Alaska seafood. Totally. And if you can't buy wild Alaska seafood, buy wild seafood. Absolutely. Never the farm stuff, guys. Never the farm stuff. All right, guys. Uh, Sean, I can't again. Can't thank you enough for coming on today. Well, I'm sorry for rambling away, but uh, you know, one question leads to another, right? And uh, I, I, I couldn't be happier to share my story with you, Mark. Appreciate you having me here. It's been, it's been really good. All right, guys. This has been another installment of Galley Stories, uh, Stories of the Bering Sea and Beyond. And again, I do encourage you to write in to marketgalleystories.net. Net like fishing, guys. Like fishing. Um, follow us on iTunes as well. You can search for us there. Spotify. Uh, YouTube, blah, blah, blah. Uh, look forward to seeing you next time. Guys, have a good one.